you watch Wales play and you, you think, I, I just want to be there. I, I couldn't think of anything better than running on the Millennium or the Principality with a Welsh jersey on. When that ended, obviously it was quite hard, that decision. And then you lost in this weird twilight zone where you haven't, you're not actually working towards something. And the thing that you spent all your life from the age of eight years old or younger potentially, the thing that you wanted and everyone knew you as is now gone. That period of time where I was lost, I kept doing something and eventually I got a call off DSW. And now I'm sat here talking to you, having just come back from Tokyo. You're listening to the Just Ask podcast with James Ledger. Just Ask. Gofynnwch. Just Ask. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hashtag Just Ask podcast brought to you by the National Youth Board of Disability Sport Wales with your host today, Jack Wilson. And I have a great show lined up for you today. So with the... Autumn Rugby Internationals well underway. We wanted to invite a former international rugby player and now world record holder um, and also Tokyo 2020 Paralympian in the F44 shot put and discus, Harrison Walsh. Thank you for coming on, Harrison, and how are you? No worries. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, My first question for you, really, is obviously we all know you're a successful sportsman. Uh, but were you always sporty as a kid, and was it always rugby? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I think growing up, I, I did a lot of sports, but initially probably the first sport I did was lifeguarding. I don't know if any of you have heard of that before, but uh, growing up near the sea, we used to do this thing. It was like competitive lifeguarding. That that was kind of the first um, sport and thing I did. I used to go and swim with my mum down in the sea, uh, so swimming was a big part of me um, getting into sport as when I was younger. It's actually quite a funny story how I got into rugby initially. My parents aren't from Wales. Um, my dad's from the north of England and my mum moved around quite a bit when uh, when she was younger. And she lived in Wales but moved around and never really um, solidified on sport themselves. So they were keen to get me into sport but didn't really know what rugby was. So um, we tried football, me and my brother, and I think we were a bit too... Uh, contact heavy <laughs> for football I think we were told to go and play this game rugby and we, we didn't know what it was uh, really about we went and played cricket instead and I think we, we had one one session in cricket and I think we we got told to maybe go and try rugby because that was too contact heavy for us as well um, give it a go and had no idea about rugby itself but um, just found found a love for it and found it and a natural um talent for it as well and I think the thing that really helped me is that my parents didn't have a perception of what was good or what wasn't good when I played rugby so all they cared about is that we enjoyed it and um, that was my path into rugby and to sport itself but outside of sport when I was younger I used to uh, love painting and and drawing and and anything really physical so whether, whether that was riding my bike or whether that was going and climbing the biggest tree and trying to jump out of it <laughs> that's what i was gonna do trying to be a jack of all trades in the sounds of it uh, when I so, was, yeah when i was younger i'd just try and do as much as i could and then um eventually kind of focused in on the sport that i was really really good at which was rugby i know you compete in the f44 category can you tell us uh, about the f44 category and more about your disability 
Of course, so um, F44, F64, um, split classes are basically uh, amputees from below the knee or affected limb um, below the knee as well. So that would be someone like me. I um, have reduced sensation and uh, limited movement in my foot. Uh, so below the knee on my right-hand side is effectively, um, you know, can't, I can't move my foot, can't feel it. So, and I received that by playing rugby. So I was lucky enough to become professional in rugby, um, was playing a game and received a bad tackle and dislocated my knee and tore the nerves in the back of the leg, which obviously controlled the movement of the foot and the feeling as well. So after two years of really good recovery, getting back to some playing, uh, I had to make a decision in retiring and then found disability sport. So it was a tough journey between the two, but essentially what I cannot do is move my foot um, and feel it. So this is how I categorize into para sport. Uh, how old were you when when you did the injury out of curiosity? So I was 18 when I got injured. So I was um, playing good level rugby at, at a young age and um, just took a bad tackle. Um, yeah. And then retired at, at 21, I believe. So I, I, I was kept in for another three years then um, during my recovery. How, how have you adapted your life and training to support your disability to help you on your journey through sport? So how have I adapted my life for my disability? I'll answer as a separate question and then okay. how sport has come in towards it. I think I'm uh, lucky in some ways that my disability isn't necessarily, um, doesn't affect my day-to-day -day life or that I don't realise it affects my day-to-day -day life. I think if I was to go back five years, I probably realised that it did. Um, you know, little things like shoe choice are, are, are something that would affect me. Um, you know, these are trivial things in comparison to others, but they are things that I have to think about. Maybe uh, length of time walking, uh, driving is a big one for me. It's like um, maybe some issues around getting tired in that leg uh, when driving. I know a couple of other athletes are similar to me, so, so they might have talipes or something like that. And they'll find, you know, driving for a longer period of time um, can affect them. So when I look at competitions or look at training, I maybe look at the time that I'll spend driving towards that competition and make a decision on whether I stay the night before, et cetera, et cetera. And then in terms of my um, training, obviously, going from having full sensation, completely of body to then having uh, limited to no sensation or uh, movement in your foot was quite a big step up. But I think the thing that benefited me so much is that I actually got back to professional rugby in this state. And I think that competitiveness and that um, drive to want to get back to top level rugby is the thing that made me have to jump over those hurdles that others would get stuck at and i think um without that i'd probably be in a position where i'd be in a lot less i'd be a lot less mobile and a lot less able to do the things that i'm able to do now um so i'm very thankful for that um but yeah in terms of just training in general obviously i can't pick my foot up so stuff like jumping 
um, running, all these things have had to be adapted. And funny enough, going through an injury at the moment, I'm really seeing how well I adapt to things and actually um, how some things can be detrimental to my future health as well. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned quickly there about um, obviously getting back to trying to make it back to the level of rugby. Was was after the injury? Was it that you couldn't basically lift your foot up when you remade the attempt to get back to the professional level? Yeah, so obviously I couldn't lift my foot up, couldn't feel the yeah. foot, and um, but I got back to playing the rugby. It's more of a case of one insurance. Um, the cost to cover rugby players obviously is a thing because uh, if you have a player on that pitch that is injured and has loss of sensation, loss of ability in in a like a uh, in a movement, then they actually put other players at risk. So that was something, as well as risk to myself. We sat down with my nurse specialist and surgeons, and we basically discussed the consequences of re-injury and what they are worth. And we we basically come to the decision that you could lose the leg, you could lose a lot more with it. And is that worth it for what is essentially a kid's game played by adults? And I think that was a major decision. I mean, the WRU were in on that. It was a big, um, big decision to be made because without sounding um, cocky, without sounding arrogant I was a good player so these are not many players get three years of recovery from a team um, dedicated towards them so it was a hard decision on their part as well to actually let a player go let an investment go even um, so yeah it, it basically came down to a decision made by me and my family and then the club itself yeah yeah really really it's quite incredible that you actually temporarily got back to that level though with, with the inability to lift your foot I think um, a lot of people think that and I think when you're in it at the time it's the only thing you're going to do so it just yeah. it it seems obvious that you just do it um, you as a as a boy I'm sure you had the same thing whether that's football or rugby or whatever it is you watch Wales play and you you think I, I just want to be there I I couldn't think of anything better than running on the Millennium or the Principality with a Welsh jersey on and just the amount immense amount of pride that one your family, to your to your friends, your your village, your your whole country would have for you. And that's something that fueled me to get to that point. I was lucky enough to represent Wales at age grade levels and the amount, the amount of immense pride I had during that time, and that's something that fueled me to that point. And I don't think, um, I guess at that time, it just seems like it's, it's the next goal anyway. You're just working towards something that you don't really know what it is, uh, but you know you're working towards it. And that's the only way I can describe it, uh, to be honest with you. And I think um, when that ended, obviously it was quite hard, that decision. And then you lost in this weird um, twilight zone where you haven't, you're not actually working towards something. And the thing that you spent all your life from the age of eight years old or younger, potentially, the thing that you wanted and everyone knew you as is now gone. Um, and I think 
that period of time where I was lost, I kept doing something and eventually I got a call off DSW. And now I'm sat here talking to you, having just come back from Tokyo. So amazing things have happened between this and because of it. So I'm actually very grateful for that injury. Yeah, definitely. There's um, a few really good thoughts and insights into that. Um, so breaching away from rugby a little bit. So what was it about shot put and discus that drew you in? I think... I remember going to the first um, training session I went to with uh, DSW with Nathan and and Anthony and actually the size of me and physically gifted for for throwing. Um, I'm a big guy, obviously played rugby and stuff, but that doesn't make you a good thrower. <laughs> now let's get that clear. I got there and I was terrible, but like I said at that time I was lost. I, I didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. But this was something I was gifted for, but not very good at right now. And this is something I can really work towards. Um, this give me a path and they give me support. And that's why I picked it up, really. Support, it was challenging and it was something I could really see me being good at. And that's why I picked it up. And that's why I... I really have got to the point where I am right now. Okay, so it was it was really that it was the next goal for you, more than the In, sport, Initially, so. so it was something I could work towards. At that time, I probably um, would have, if I had found something as well, like it could have been the kayaking, it could have been anything, but throwing really you know, stuck out to, to me. Um, because of the characters as well that were in around it, like Nathan and Aled, who really helped me through it. Uh, so what role, you've touched on it a tiny bit, but what role has Disability Sport Wales' performance pathway played in, in providing you with the support structure that's helped you to get to Tokyo 2020? I think the biggest thing that they've done for me is provide an environment where it's okay to learn and it's okay to make mistakes and um, to explore your, you know, your environment and explore the sport itself and learn. That's um, one big thing because I've come from a professional sport itself. A lot of the um, things that other athletes maybe struggle with, like um, professionalism, timing, etc., that's already there. I've, I've been disciplined for for a while in terms of sporting. Um, performance but it's more the understanding of of a new sport um, and as I said I was terrible at the start um, but, but these underlying professionalisms that I had from from rugby really helped me kind of develop as the athlete and then that environment that they provided which was um, open honest learning environment has really catapulted me into the position I'm in right now um, yeah, I think a lot of kids have that time to, to play and understand their sport, and that was almost something I had from the get-go. So what's the main differences between competing in a team sport like rugby compared to competing in an individual competition like shot, putt and discus? It's a good question. I think uh, apart from the obvious ones, which are there's one person and there's 15 <laughs> on a team, 
Um, you know, in rugby, for example, you've got 80 minutes at um, probably 75% effort the entire time. Whereas in throwing it six attempts that maybe last two, two seconds long and it's 100% effort. Now, how I've trained my whole life before that point is to do those 75% for 80 minutes. So developing that 100% effort was something, you know, that was that was tough and that, that I've um, slowly getting better at. The other thing is that in rugby, um, if I was having a bad day at tackling, for example, I want to keep working on that. But there are lots of other things I can keep going and doing. Like I can go and pass better and say, right, I'm going to go and um, run lines better. I'm going to scrummage better. I'm going to ruck better. I'm going to maul better. There's all these things that actually you can make up for. And then why that? If you're just having an absolute terrible game, think how many other players are on the pitch that can help you out um the whole team is there for you whereas in throwing you've got a team behind you but there's only one person in that circle there's only one person that can get you out of the situation or you know it, it basically comes down to there's one person that can win or lose it for you and that's yourself and it took me a while to understand the beauty in that before it was oh, so worried about it all so worried about underperforming, so worried because there's a big element of I've been a professional sportsman and now I'm, for all intents and purposes, rubbish again at something. Um, and people think that I, I look this way, so I should be better. Um, and going through the process from that to worrying about my performance, so much so that it would affect my performance. So worrying about things that I couldn't control to now this year really working on being able to to explore the moment and actually be present in the competition and just think about what you can do rather than what you have done in the past and don't let that influence your performance right now. And um, that's a big factor. Whereas like rugby, it used to be always worrying about stats and how many tackles you made and all this kind of stuff. Whereas actually in throwing, it is that competition and getting out that mindset of what you've done before and just really focusing on um, kind of going out there and expressing yourself. I know um, it sounds weird from something that you just repeat, <laughs> but being able to, as I said, be present in the moment is something that I've learned massively throughout the years. Yeah. Would, would you say there's any similarities between you've talked about obviously having Nathan and Anthony in the DSW setup, um, but obviously rugby banter is kind of a bit of a, a big, a big talked about thing. Would you say there's any similarities between the fact that you're doing gone from rugby to then changing into a more individualized competition? I think from obviously, I think before, before I answer that question between the similarities, I think you got to, realize there's a difference between professional rugby and local rugby. Yeah. Um, a lot of professional rugby players are individuals. And actually, yeah, there's a lot of quote unquote banter or like joking around, but actually there's some very serious people in professional rugby. And um, it's not like your local rugby where you go and have beer after it. It's very much you do your training, it's work, you go home. And then, yeah, you enjoy the game and you enjoy being part of a team. But 
is very serious. And I think that's something that I carried over into um, the sport, into disability sport Wales. But, you know, that team element is the most important part of it. So everyone's got each other's back. And, you know, you're going in rugby, you're going out to play rugby almost for your team rather than yourself. And almost to, in a certain respect, you're going out to compete in discus for your team as well. So that's for Nathan, you know, for my country, for these are all people that I'm doing it for. So um, we built almost like a team around us like we would have had in rugby. So that's with other throwers like Jack Palmer, you know, Ben Hawks, James Tomlinson, you know, Ale Davis, Kyron. This is our throwers team. And we treat it very similar to how a rugby team would treat each other. You know, we have the utmost respect for each other, um, but we will be there for each other. We will make each other laugh and we will call each other out when maybe we're not performing the best we could or being um, the good person we know the others can be. So, yes, I brought some of it over, but more so that professionalism from it. So you obviously had the setback of freak injury at the, at the games um, but I'm curious what your next goal is do you know what your next goal is in terms of calendar in terms of planning so in terms of goals we normally set ourselves lots of different goals we have you know short term medium term long term process outcome I know that's like a bit waffly but we're taking it day by day in terms of the injury and the recovery and that's the main thing now we want to get back to full throws outside as soon as possible, but as um, as well as possible rather than cutting corners and stuff. So I'd like to be throwing at 100% effort outside in January. That's kind of like the time we've looked at. Um, and then wider kind of competition goals would be Commonwealth Games and then World Champs at the end of the season then. So there's some lofty goals there. And uh, yeah. every day kind of, striving towards them by you know looking at our process goals maybe that's within our technique of our throw or that's in the gym or that's in uh, physio or plyos whatever it is um, but all those small little process goals added up you know kind of help us on our way to our big outcome goals which is potentially um, doing really well at the commonwealth games and world champs at the end of the year cool uh so my last question is, what do you do in your spare time away from the sport? So I'm very lucky to be full-time in um, in this sport. And last year I finished my degree, so I um, was doing a strength and conditioning degree. And I've just taken this year completely off education. And in my spare time between training, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of cooking that needs to go on. Obviously, as, as being a heavier athlete, Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you may have to eat a little bit more. Um, but between between that, recovery you know, and sleep, I love to draw and paint. And that's something that I've been doing. That's been really helping me kind of mentally just switch off from the sport. The, the sport is a privilege to do as a full-time thing. However, if you sit there and stew on it all the time, you're just going to blow your mind. And um, especially being, you know, how... Um, serious that sport can get I think it's nice to go and just do something completely different and um, when I was out in Tokyo I was actually sketching every single time 
every single kind of memory I was out there and I've got a, a sketchbook full of of little pictures I've drawn of Tokyo and that's something I'll always cherish, uh, cherish and I think um, that'll be something I'll cherish when I'm older and these are the things I kind of continue want to continue doing. Um, the other side of it is that I actually draw um, paint images and pictures for people so I get requests and stuff so I'm always kind of kept busy um, doing that and I love seeing people's reactions to my art because I think a lot of people don't expect someone um, who is a sportsman and maybe um, a big lump <laughs> is the best way I can put it to be dainty and very artistic so it's uh, very nice to see all the reaction I get from that and funny enough actually I think a lot of people who follow me understand that I'm a sportsman so a sports side of my um, social media gets the attention it normally would get but anything that I put on art wise is is normally a really interesting insight in into me and I think I get a lot of appreciation for that so yeah I, I would continue I would love to continue the art journey that I'm on while doing sport itself awesome sounds like you're really skilled with um, artistic traits then yeah well, well. yeah uh, well, thank you very much for coming on to the show and yeah, sharing us everything about you, really. I'm sure that it's going to inspire a lot of people that are listening. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you to everyone that has listened. This is the hashtag Just Ask podcast and we will see you on the next one. Just Ask. Gofynnwch. Just Ask.